0: So we're going to be in James 5, like it says here, verses 7 to 12. And as we're continuing on in our walk through James. Last week, Daniel looked at verses 1 to 6, and this is kind of the flip side of those six verses. Um, Looking at verses 1 to 6, it was looking at individuals whose lives were comfortable and uh, kind of had it all together and saw no need of eternity. They had everything they wanted, um, didn't prepare for eternity. On the flip side, we see in verses 7 to 12, individuals who um, are struggling with life. Their lives have hurt and pain and, and, uh, and, and the discussion about eternity in relation to their lives. So look, starting at verse 7. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, Or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. And you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. So one of my favorite all-time songs, don't judge me, okay, was sung by Herbert, Herbert the Snail. Um, any of you how many of you have heard of Herbert the Snail all right you all need to listen to YouTube a little bit more the uh, Herbert the Snail uh, this is from the music machine Fruit of the Spirit okay a little more familiar yeah you have to be old to know this right or parents that are old that let you listen to the music machine, and mm-hmm. I, I, to be honest, I I sing the chorus periodically because it's just, it, and um, I was going to sing it for you. Um, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it's yeah. That's it. Yeah. All right. And this is how it goes. And he he Herbert sings it very, you know, very slowly. He goes like this. Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. I started way too low. <laughs> and he says, When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. And think about the time when others had to wait for you. Well, that's good words, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I'll I'll do an encore later. Um, but, you know, after... <laughs> honestly, I, I love the song. And it, that's just the chorus. If you want to hear the whole thing, you can find it on YouTube. Um, I don't think Beyonce sings it. I don't know. <laughs> um, Patience. Um, we all got that one down, right? Yeah. The uh, Especially when you're late for an appointment you're supposed to be at, and your spouse or your roommate or your boyfriend or girlfriend is late, and then later, and then still hasn't arrived, and you got patience down, right? Or when we're in a construction highway zone and and we're supposed to be somewhere and the traffic is backed up and it always happens when we're running late. And we're good there, right? Patience. Um, Or this is the hardest one for me, and my wife could attest to this, when the person ahead of me is driving really slow. I mean... (laughs) really slow. And I'm thinking, are you parking? <laughs> you know, I'm th- <laughs> um patience. But I but I wonder if the hardest times to wait. I you know, this was hard for me and you know, growing up. I mean always wanting to be, you know, we're heading somewhere and I always wanted to be there and it's like you, those of you who, well, we've all been kids, right? At one time, or you have kids, and what's the when? When the you're not there yet. What is? What do the kids always say? <laughs> yeah, because we're all so patient. Um, but I think for me, the hardest time for me to be patient is when I'm not feeling good. Um. When I'm um, miserably sick, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> I, I'm kind of a pansy when I'm sick. The, uh, and, and, but it just, you know, you're miserable. I mean, if you got the flu, and, you know, something's coming out of everywhere, and, and you're just miserable. <laughs> that was maybe too graphic. Okay. <laughs> I in mean, your ears, your nose, okay <laughs> and and you have a fever, and you're just in pain, and you're thinking, I can't live any longer and and to wait to get better, and when you're in the middle of that, and you're and you're thinking, Oh, I can't wait, and you think, Oh, Tylenol, that's the answer to life, or whatever you know. I don't want to just go to Tylenol. What are the other things called, you know? And, uh, and you look at the bottle and you think, oh, drat, two more hours before I can take another dose. And what do you do at that time? I mean, you're patient, right? You say, I can wait two hours. Or do you like, forget two hours. <laughs> I'm going to take two more right now. Or maybe I'm going to take four more right now. Um. It's how our lives easily end up, as we're going to look at James here, and and as it describes us in the midst of suffering. And by suffering, it can mean all kinds of things. It can mean physical pain. Those of us that are in the middle of physical pain, or emotional pain, or relational pain. I mean, all these, or we could just be weary with life, as Jesus in Matthew says, "Come on to me." all you who are weary and bogged down by life and and that's who James is talking about here individuals who are just burdened and bogged down by life whatever it is physical, relational, spiritual, emotional mental agony I think the easiest thing that can happen for us at that time in our lives is to think how can I make it feel better now instead of as James talks about her, and as we're going to be encouraged this morning, how can we keep our, our hearts and our longing and our eyes fixed on heaven? <laughs> that this isn't all there is. There's heaven. And just to review, look, look back at your Bibles, and I'd encourage you just to follow along with me. We're going we're to look through these verses, but I'm going to just read through the verses again, verses 1 to 6, that... Um, we looked at last week, just to, again, be reminded of the flip side. Notice verse 1. It says, look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. People who have placed everything, all their hope, in here and now. Your wealth is rotting away. Your fine clothes are, are moth eaten rags. I mean, They're not going to last. Your gold and silver have become worthless. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This treasure you have accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The wages you held back cry out against you. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Um, and that's, that's one side of the coin. And, and maybe that's where some of you are at again this morning. You've, you're putting everything into the here and now. You just want to feel good now. You want to get everything you can out of life now. And, and James' response, as we looked at it last week, is what? It's, he says, weep. <laughs> weep. Weep because you've got to realize that you've put everything, you've put all your eggs into one basket, and it's the here and now, and it's, it's, it's not going to last. It's going to rot. It's going to rust. It's going to fade away. But did you notice that just even in those verses it talks about the workers that have been cheated and, 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 and those have, who have been the brunt of, of those who put everything into the here and now. And that's what we're going to look at in verses 7 through 12. This is the point I want us to get, and then we're going to look at verses 7 to 12 now. Heaven is worth the wait. At the very end, we're going to look at at a young man. His name was David Brainerd, and I'm going to read several quotes from his life. He died when he was 29 years old. He was a missionary in Delaware to the Native Americans, to the Indians, in 1742 to 1747. He died at 29 and we're going to look at his life and we're going to look at his life is described well by by these verses his life was one of suffering and loneliness and hardship but the last the one of the things he says that i want us to get get a hold of is he says don't loiter on your way to heaven meaning Don't be distracted. Don't let the the sufferings and the trials and the worries and the hardships of this life to keep us from really seeing what what it's all about. It's it's being forever with Jesus. Heaven is worth the wait. And James gives us two things that help us to to get that. The first is, look at verse 7 again. How do we know heaven is worth the wait? He says, brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly wait or look for the valuable harvest to ripen. Why is heaven worth the wait? Heaven is worth the wait because heaven is the harvest. That's the picture that James has given us. Heaven is the harvest. Um... You know, some people might get a kick out of weeding and fertilizing and watering. Um, and I know my wife loves being in the garden, um, but gardens and farming aren't about weeding and fertilizing and watering. They're about the harvest. They're about. They're about. Tomatoes and corn and Brussels sprouts and lettuce and spinach. The, the point of a garden is the harvest. Um, I was talking with one of our employees this week who is newly pregnant and uh, going through morning sickness, and I'm not an expert on morning sickness. Um, but we agreed on one thing, well, and that's that when the baby comes, it'll be worth it. Ladies, would you agree? <laughs> you have to say yes, especially if your child is sitting next to you. <laughs> 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 the coming of the Lord is near. That's what it says here. Be patient, take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. That's the point the harvest um, you know we have a community group that meets at our house every Wednesday night and we are the youngest community group um, because we have a lot of really little kids that come to our community group so on an average it, we're the youngest group the, um, and you know what and we have two apple trees in our yard and you know as the kids are playing in our backyard what they love to do they love to eat those apples, and they're, they 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 come ripe in November. They're Northern Spy, and they don't ripen it. So right now they're green and they're little and they're sour, and we tell them over and over again that wait. But they can't wait. They they and 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 what do they get? It's like. We grow. My wife grows tomatoes, and they're delicious tomatoes. And if you've eaten a garden-ripened tomato, what are they're wonderful. It's hard to eat a store tomato after that. And why is that? Is because the store tomatoes they're they're trying to rush the harvest, right? Pump them with something. I don't want to know what I'm. You know they, and and they're not the same delicious, fleshly tomatoes. They want to rush the harvest, or it's like. Or it's like the kids eating green apples or I can't wait until the tomatoes are ripe, so eating a green tomato. Uh, Heaven is the harvest. And so heaven is worth the wait. Um, How do we wait, though? He gives us two reasons here. Heaven is the harvest. He says, take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. How do we wait? It says with courage. Literally it says... Establish your hearts. We wait with established hearts. The, the way we're able to, to wait for heaven, realizing it's the harvest, is Proverbs 4.23 says it really well. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And what James is saying here when he says... Heaven is worth the wait. Heaven is this harvest that we're waiting for. Um, he says, "So fix your hope, establish your hearts. Fix your hope on the on Jesus's return. On um, that's the harvest. Don't settle for a green tomato. Don't settle for for something less, a lesser fix. Isn't that often what we end up doing?" Um, We lose in in the middle of the the sufferings and the weariness and and the and the stuff we're going through in life, you know we settle for a lesser fix. And so much of our life is eating green tomatoes or green apples or things that are ripe and, and settling for something less because we haven't fixed our hope on the harvest that is to come. Paul says Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. How many of us have our hearts fixed on that harvest that's to come? Or we're so consumed with what we can get out of life now. That's the first thing he says is take courage or fix your hearts, establish hearts. But then notice in verse 9 he says, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, and you almost wonder where that comes from. But as I looked at this, I thought, it's simple. When we're not focused on what's important, we find all kinds of unimportant things to grumble about, don't we? When our, our hearts and our focus isn't fixed on heaven Then we find all kinds of things down here to argue and grumble about. I mean, in a garden, it could be if we lose sight of this harvest that's to come, we could we could be spun out all the time by stupid slugs, obnoxious weeds, hot summer, dry ground. I mean, there will be weeds, right? And in Washington, there will be slugs. But it's the harvest. Don't, Paul's saying, don't get bogged down by the trials, the momentary, he calls them momentary trials in 2 Corinthians, of life. Don't get bogged down by them and, and, and end up grumbling and bellyaching with one another about them. Keep your hearts focused on the harvest. Is it possible that, that our belly aching about life reveals our heart's wrong focus? That if, if your days are spent in belly aching and grumbling and complaining, that it might be because you've lost sight of the harvest, heaven. The, if I'm writing with my wife, On our way to an evening get together, you know, the point is should I really care about somebody that's driving slow in front of me if my focus is correct? So, heaven is the harvest, and so, fix our hearts on that. And don't grumble about things that are unimportant. The second thing, look at verse 10. He gives us another illustration. He says, for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, and, and he went through incredible suffering if you've read the book of Job. And God never answers his questions. But notice it says, you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. How do we know that heaven is worth the wait? Not just because heaven is the harvest, but because it says, but because God is good. God is good. In Luke, it says if, if, you, if you ask God for something, and, and he's our loving Heavenly Father, you don't have to worry that he's going to... you know, if, if your child asks you for a piece of bread, you're not going to give him a scorpion. And if God has promised us heaven and God is good, we can trust that it's worth the wait because God is good. He's full of tenderness and compassion. In Romans... it says, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Galatians 6.8 says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life. God is good. You plant carrots and you're not going to reap Brussels sprouts, I promise you. God is good. And if, if your hope is in heaven, then what God has for you is what God has promised. God is good. James says, you wait for heaven's reward and you won't regret the harvest. How do we wait? Again, we see here. Notice what he says about Job in verse eleven. He says, "We give great honor to those who endure under suffering." How do we wait, knowing that God is good? We with endurance, remembering that that this Christian life it, it's it's a it's a garden, right? It's not instant tomatoes. It's not instant corn. It's not a hundred yard dash. It's a it's an endurance race. We persevere because we know that God is good and that what God has promised, God will produce. We keep weeding and watering because we know that the carrots and corn will be worth it. And we keep running and running because of the thrill of the finish line. And, and we keep our eyes fixed on heaven and we keep following Jesus because we know that it's worth it way more than this world has to offer. And then he kind of ends with kind of an interesting verse. He says, But most of all, brothers and sisters, never take an oath. Um, by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not be not sin and be condemned. It almost seems like where does that come from? But as I, I as I look at it in terms of this endurance. What comes to my mind is that don't do anything rash. As our hope is in heaven and we're enduring in the midst of whatever we're going through, whatever God allows us to go through, don't give up and, and do something rash. It's kind of like saying, if these seeds, this is, my wife accuses me of this kind of rashness all the time. She says, if these seeds don't come up tomorrow, I'm digging up the whole garden. The endurance, knowing that God is good and heaven is worth the wait, to not just say, forget it, I'm going to go get drunk tonight. I'm just and, and, and we treat our lives as if heaven isn't worth the wait and God isn't good and we just do stupid things and we bail instead of trusting in God's goodness.